Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action to create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in this tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I will be speaking with Azra Nadim. Azra is the first female Pakistani venture capitalist and a global speaker. Azra began her entrepreneurial journey working on product and market development for startups in the Middle East, North Africa, and Southeast Asia. Today, she is co-founder of Opus AI, a streaming platform powered by proprietary tech that turns plain text into movies and playable 3D worlds in real time. She is also president and investor at Draper University, a pre-accelerator where she leads the startup and investor education programs. Azra is a highly sought after speaker and knowledgeable investor. She is especially passionate about AI and the future of entertainment. Welcome to the show, Azra. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. So let's get started. Um, so Azra, you're the first female Pakistani venture capitalist and a global speaker. Can you share with us your journey and how you got to where you are? Happy to. So I grew up in Pakistan, and um, the best way to explain where I come from is how my dad says it. He always says, I had two options. I could either educate my daughters or buy fancy cars. <laughs> and we're all glad that he decided not to buy fancy cars. Um, <laughs> so I'm the first girl in my family who uh, went to college and um very early on, I've been adamant on figuring out how can be my own person. And I got introduced to computers and technology early on in life. And for me, being independent or this idea of freedom is very tied with financial freedom. So for me, it's always been about figuring out how can I compound my time, how can I compound my resources, and also the little money that I have in order to really have a greater impact, not only on my own life, but of those around me. So that being said, my um, first company that I worked with was a startup. I had no idea what a startup was. I had no idea what a product manager was. But I was a fourth employee and I was like, all right, this is what our customers are saying. This is what we should be building. And from there on, we ended up raising venture capital. And that was my first introduction to VC. And we don't really talk about financial literacy. We don't talk about how do you get rich. Um, like in our culture, that's not something that you do at all. So for me, it's always been about figuring out, okay, 
how is this going to happen? What's the next step? So for me, a lot of it started just very early on investing my own money, whatever little money I had, into other people who were doing projects or other people who were building companies, stock market and compounding, building a portfolio. And from there, once I moved to North America, I just connected with the guy who had invested in the startup that I first started working at. And uh, it just was some things worked out, fell in place, and I landed in venture capital. That is awesome. You were a deep thinker very early on in your life. That's awesome. So you're the co-founder of Opus AI, which is a streaming platform, and it's powered by proprietary tech, and it turns plain text into movies and playable worlds in real time, 3D worlds. Tell us more about your company and how it helps customers. Definitely. So... As exciting as venture capital is, it's not very exciting to be managing other people's money. And for me, what I love doing is solving hard problems. And one of the hardest problems, or I love literature, I love watching movies, I love playing games. And for me, one of the things that I've been noticing over the last 10, 15 years is this like spiral downward spiral into the content that is being generated for us and around us. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that the tools for this content that we have have not really evolved as much. So it's extremely, if you want to build a game today, it's extremely difficult to do that. If you want to start to build a, if you don't want to produce a movie that has a lot of CGI or anything, it's extremely expensive to do that. So, mm-hmm. Um, what Opus does is we're building a technology that as you're writing text, it uses artificial intelligence, machine learning to extract the features of that text and then build those 3D assets and 3D worlds. And what that does is essentially opens up an entire new market for people who like writing or people who like telling stories or cultures that have extremely rich stories it opens up a market for us to take those stories and start building short films, serialized content, or even movies out of it. How fascinating. How did you come up with this idea of building an AI company? So, um, like I said, I've always been very interested in what technology can do for humanity as a whole. And we started by building a game for ourselves. We're like, okay, you know what? We want to build a game where the content generates in real time and it has more new challenges and options to play um, that are being generated based on my taste. And obviously, that was not possible. This was six years ago. It wasn't possible. Mm -hmm. Um, The technology wasn't there. And then we moved to the Valley. Uh, my co-founder started working on a DARPA project. I started working in venture capital. But it was something that we kept um, kind of, you know, hammering at. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously in the last five or six years, there's been a lot of advancements in neural networks. There's been a lot of advancements in AI in general. And it's still very early in what we're doing. So it's not a solved problem. It's frontier tech. There's a lot of things that we need to figure out how to do, how to automate, if this is even possible. But one of the things that we've proven is that it can, it's a lot of work, but it can work. So that's kind of how we started. That's great. Well, venture capitalist, a 
founder of an AI company. You're also president and investor at Draper University, which is a pre-accelerator where you lead startup and investor education programs. So can you share a little bit about the programs you lead? Sure. So these programs are very tied to the venture capital job that I have, and it's uh, pre-accelerator, we bring in early stage companies from all over the world, and then we work with them. Before COVID, we had them on our campus in San Mateo for five weeks, and now we have online programs that really help us connect with people very, very early, help them connect with talent and capital in Silicon Valley, and then invest in them as we go. That's amazing. So the the programs really teach them to get from startup to growth, and you provide the education and obviously the resources and capital for them to get there. Is that accurate? That's very accurate. I'm going to use those same words next time I pitch it. (laughs) That's great. Um, So Investing in AI are passions of yours, and we talked about how you got started in in both of those areas. But tell me the connection to women for both of those areas. So for me, one of the biggest things, being a woman and especially coming from a very conservative culture, is that none of this is handed on a platter to me. I had to fight for every, like, from going to college to getting my first job to even moving out of Pakistan, everything was a struggle. And in that journey, I'm a huge believer that every single door that you open, no matter how much effort it takes, it makes it easier for people who are following. So, or people, and these people can be in your own community, these can be women in your own country, or women who have similar career paths. And also, I think it's extremely important. So even today, when you look at careers of women, they are working 50 to 100 times harder, getting paid less. And the amount of risk that we take with our time and our money is not as high because we have not built in safety blankets. We've not built in risk tolerance, anything into our lives. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think it's very important as a woman to be able to do that because it's tied to my sense of freedom for Mm -hmm. one. And it's also tied to this being able to build this path for my sisters, for my uh, community, and for other women who might want to be in the same realm. So one of the things that I want to do is demystify investing. So I work with a lot of women, and a lot of times to invest in a startup, especially if you're outside of the U.S., um, you don't need a lot of money to get started. You can do it with as little as $500 or $2,000. So just figuring out how to do it, how to build that portfolio, that's one thing. And then obviously AI is such a new field and what it brings to the table is something very exciting for women because we can now match our you know, things that we're very passionate about. So it can be fashion, it can be well, entertainment, it can be any art that we're passionate about and blend it with technology and really be on the frontier of what's is going to fundamentally change the world. 
That's great. Um, I love that your journey is based on freedom, and these are the things that you need to do to get there and how you're helping women realize that their journey to freedom is so important and what pieces they need to put in place. Now, you know, there's a stat that says that uh, last year, female founders only received 2.8% of $130 billion in venture money in the U.S. And that just bothers me because, you know, 2.8% of such a big number, $130 billion. Um, And this stat came from the analytics firm PitchBook, and also an advocacy organization, All Raise. What can we do to change this? We need women to get more uh, capital so that they can grow their businesses, they can get that freedom that you're talking about. Yeah, so obviously one of the things is that we just associate, oh, if you're a woman, you're only going to build a fashion tech company Mm -hmm. or you're going to solve a problem for women. And I'm not saying that these problems are not these problems are big markets because they've been underserved for a very long time. So I think a lot of it is how we pitch to investors that needs to change. Also, there's a whole, also these investors, the money that they're getting, the LPs need to start taking more responsibility for um, diversity in the capital that they're deploying. So there has been an uptick of diverse um, investors. There's been an uptick of diverse GPs who are now raising funds to invest in women, people of color. So there's a lot of work that's happening, but it's not even scratching the surface. And again, a lot of these are internalized biases. So even with female founders who want to invest in tech companies, I've pitched to female founders where one of them ended up talking to me about having kids. And I'm like, you would never talk about having kids in a pitch meeting with a male founder. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's just not done. And I don't think it was meant as a bad, it wasn't meant as a bad gesture. It wasn't meant as something like just specifically trying to do that, but it's just a lot of, internal biases that need to be fixed in venture capital, especially women who are at the helm of these funds, to be able to reach out to more women, educate them more, help them figure out how to pitch in the right way. So I think everybody needs to do their work and founders need to do the work as well. So true. Um, I think it is so important for us to to be able to have the confidence to pitch correctly um, and know the right things to say. There are so many biases, right? And we talk about unconscious bias all the time. Sometimes people don't even realize they have a bias until uh, it hits them in the face. And then they are like, whoa, where did that come from? (laughs) And so um, biases are from, you know, everywhere, the way you were raised, the neighborhood you grew up in. It's not just you know, uh, color or, um, or status or, you know, there's so many things that come into bias. And so 
you know, let's let's all work together to really change these numbers. We'd like to see, you know, 50% of women receive venture capital money because we are growing businesses. We are um, growing the bottom line of most businesses. So we have a lot to bring to the table um, and and we should be supported the same way. So AI jobs, just like we're doing a lot of cloud training and, um, you know, machine learning, AI, these job roles, they just never existed before. Um, so what are your thoughts on the new jobs and the market, let's say even a couple of years from now? What, what can we look forward to? Uh, so I... I definitely believe that automation, while it's going to make a lot of repetitive jobs redundant, it's going to create very interesting new job opportunities that will allow people to match things that they're passionate about to things that help them make money. So nobody, for example, goes to work wanting to check boxes or click and drag and drop things all day long. That's not exciting for anybody. So what AI really enables us to do is it automates the redundant work so we can really tap into something that's very unique to humans, which is creativity. And a lot more creative jobs, I think, are going to be um, created because of this. A lot more, just like internet is created, so many opportunities, so many platforms have been built on top of it, so many um, secondary markets have come up. I think with AI and a lot of operations and uh, repetitive tasks getting automated, we'll see a lot more new jobs come up in the market. And like I said before, it's a great opportunity for people to learn a new skill, but a new skill that's tied directly with things that they're passionate about. And that's great because it, it'll give them so much more job satisfaction. Like you said, the redundancy, the, you know, checking boxes and checking, you know, making sure you do the same thing every day. Those mundane tasks are going to be done uh, through AI and machine learning and then really bring your creativity, bring your uh, energy uh, to solving other problems. So I, I love that. And I think, you know, we look forward to those those types of jobs coming out more and more. So this has been so enlightening and so great. Um, can you kind of share some advice that you have for women who want to get into technology or maybe even want to start a business in technology because you've, you've started out and you, you did it the hard way and really have become very successful. So what advice could you give other women? My advice is to, and this is coming from, I did, I never liked asking for help. And one of the things I've learned over a period of time is that there's a lot of people out there who are willing to help if you just A, ask, and B, ask the right questions. So ask. Just if there is something that you want to start, go ahead and start it. And things that you're not really sure about how to do, reach out to other people who are experts in that field with specific questions. And you'll be surprised by how many people are willing to raise their hand and help. So, um, and on that note, if somebody wants to reach out to me, I'm always happy to help um, people who are 
either starting a career or in tech or are looking to figure out how to start investing their money. That's awesome. That That's so great. And thank you for that offer for our listeners. So if listeners wanted to get a hold of you, what would be the best way um, for them to do so? So you can reach out to me. Uh, you can go to my website. It's astronatheme.com. And you can reach out to me through that. Or if you see me on any social media platforms, just message me there. I reply to all the messages that I get. That's awesome. Um, I did listen to your TED Talk, and I just absolutely loved it. So I would also encourage uh, our listeners to listen to Azra's um, TED Talk if you get a chance. Well, Azra, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you, thank you. It's a privilege to spend time with you. I appreciate it, and I hope to talk to you again on my show soon. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation, and I hope it's helpful for your listeners. Very much so. So thank you again. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. As your organization continues to embrace and adopt new technologies, does your team have the skills required to make the most of your investments? Directions Training offers IT professional and end-user training for the most popular solutions today, including Microsoft 365, Azure, AWS, Cisco, Citrix, VMware, and much more. Our flexible delivery methods and full customized offerings make sure that you get the training you need just the way you need it in-person, virtual, on-demand, or through a blended approach. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com for more information today. From IT skill enhancements to end-user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.